Hey everybody, welcome to Rebel Parenting. I'm your host, Ryan Dobson, and this is... Your other host, Laura Dobson. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to talk about marriage. And we decided that we would switch off topics each week between parenting and marriage. And we started Paul Tripp's book, Parenting, which will continue next week. And today we're going to dive into one of our favorite books, The Good News About Marriage by Shanti Feldham. Mm -hmm. And we're also going to talk about how to have a better sex life. And we won't get too graphic, I promise. But if you want to move the kids to another room... Now would be a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget to like and subscribe on our YouTube channel. Before we begin, I'd like to thank our sponsors for providing cost-free advice and entertainment each and every week. Our headline sponsor, Covenant Eyes, is especially important today as we talk about marriage and having a better sex life. Start by getting rid of the porn in your life and protecting your little ones from accidentally stumbling onto it. Head to CovenantEyes.com. Use the code REBEL for a free month. Also, big thanks to all of our monthly sponsors. We are so honored by your gifts. All donations are tax deductible. Join the Rebel Army at rebelparenting.org and click on the Donate tab. Mm. All right. Let's go. Let's talk about marriage. Mm. I got to tell you, I love being married. I do. I love it. I'm not. Uh, I don't care. I'm bragging. I don't even care. I love being married so much. It has made me a better person in a million ways. Laura and I were talking about it today. I'm kinder, I'm gentler, I'm nicer, I'm more considerate, I have more empathy because I get to be married to Laura. And it's interesting, there was a point in our life and we had been going to a ton of counseling and a ton of therapy and we were really working hard. I mean, everything that we could work on, we were just diving into it. And after a while, it was kind of a slog. You know, you just, every time you go to counseling, you're like, oh my goodness, what's wrong today? You know? Yeah. And we went to a marriage retreat called. Fusion? Yes. Fusion. Uh huh. Okay. Put on by We've Gap. We've been to a few. So yeah. I was trying to. We've been to picture, a ton. Picture which one? What's the Gap website? I'll put it in the show notes. Gap. Uh, if you look up Fusion Marriage Conference and GAP Gap. Gapcommunity.com. Thank you. Gapcommunity.com. I had to think about it for a second. I'll put it up there. Um, it was amazing. Mm. Uh, Amy and Max Maxwell led that weekend. And I got to be honest, what we came away with was, hey, we have a pretty good marriage. Mm -hmm. We like each other. We've done a lot of good work. Mm -hmm. We should be proud of each other. And it was such a blessing because we had just been hearing bad news all the time. And mm -hmm. Shanti Feldhan has an amazing book. And she reached out to me because I had been quoting the statistic that you have probably heard a million times. Mm -hmm. And that is, regardless of belief system, believer, non-believer, marriage has a 50% divorce rate. 50% divorce rate, regardless of what you believe, that's what it is. And I've been hearing that for decades and decades and decades. And I had even heard a rumor that it was a 70% divorce rate in Orange County, California. Yep. Like, you just hear these things, and then you start to believe them. Right. Right? They're just imprinted into the ethos, and you're like... I've heard pastors say it. I've heard psychologists say it. I've heard radio hosts say it. Oh, second marriages have a 75% divorce rate. Yeah, I've heard that one. I mean, those statistics are crazy, and I've been talking about this in marriage, and Shanti reached out to me. Thank the Lord for Shanti Feldhan. She is Harvard-trained. She is a researcher. She is 
brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. It is not opinion. It is hard data research. That's why I love her books so much. Hmm. She reached out and was like, hey, Ryan, you're wrong. That is not true. Marriage does not have a 50% divorce rate. And I was like, really? I mean, what is it? And she said, I've got a brand new book coming out. I'm going to send it to you. And she did. And it is amazing. It's called The Good News About Marriage. You don't hear that very often. You hear divorce rates climbing and pornography, all the things you hear. Right. And divorce isn't what we thought it was. There is great news about marriage. So I'm going to read a little bit from Shanti's book, and it's over here on the screen. So I'll look at this, and <laughs> yeah, you can look at I'm, Laura. I'm kind of staring there sometimes. That's right. Um, let me read a little bit of this, and we're going to discuss it. We're going to dive into this, because after we finish this series, we're going to switch off between marriage and parenting. I think you're going to feel great or better about your marriage and the future of your marriage. We're going to give you hope, and that's such an important factor. We're going to mention that a couple of times throughout this. All right. Here's what Shanti says. It's called Surprising News About Marriage, What Most People Don't Know But Need To. Mm -hmm. In 2006, I was writing one of my newspaper opinion columns and referencing the high prevalence of divorce. I wanted to correctly cite the most recent divorce rate, but was confused by conflicting sources and articles. Mm -hmm. After trying to figure it out for two or three hours, I tossed it to my then research assistant, Tally Whitehead, so I could keep working on the column. But after several more hours, Tally came back mm -hmm. even more perplexed than we started. It can't be this difficult, I thought. We quickly called a respected expert on marriage and divorce and asked, what's the exact divorce rate? Her unexpected answer, no one knows. Huh? Before I could say anything, she continued, and it depends on what you mean by, quote, the divorce rate. There are many different types of divorce rates. There are also many different surveys of different groups of people. There are different ways of tracking the rate of divorce today and projecting it in the future. They all say different things. There's no way to know one, quote, exact rate. Well, I tried to gather my flustered thoughts. Just an estimate then. Roughly what percentage of marriages will end in divorce? Like what does the Census Bureau say? The Census Bureau stopped projecting the divorce rates in 1996. And even those projections were based on divorce increasing. And it's decreased instead. That won't help you. The divorce rate has decreased? Really? But it's still around 50%, right? After all, I'd heard for years that half of all marriages end in divorce. Actually, the divorce rate has never hit 50%. It has never even gotten close. Again, it depends on what you mean by the divorce rate. But no matter what definition you use, we're significantly below 20, 50% right now. It's maybe closer to 30 to 40%. But again, no one knows. My first thought was nuts. I'm going to have to edit my column. My second thought was, but wait a minute. What? The divorce rate has never gotten close to 50%? Why haven't we heard this before? That's a really big deal. That was eight years ago and only gradually over the next few years that I began to realize what a big deal the truth actually was. Mm. Not only about that, but about several other marriage and divorce myths myths that are very discouraging and very common hmm. isn't that amazing yeah i mean think about that that's exactly how we felt when she called us yeah you know it, it's just this thing you hear about it you talk about it and then you incorporate it into your talks and speeches anytime i was talking about divorce it was like you know you got to work on it so hard and you know all these mm -hmm. things but it wasn't true and there's a real big problem with that and this is where i'm going to skip totally ahead in this book to it's called the big 
cultural problem. And that's what we're talking about. And let me dive into a little bit of cultural things uh, because we're going to talk about sex too. Culture mm. is, is very important and it's very loud, but you don't think about it consciously all the time. And we've talked about this in, in sex lives, mm -hmm. every rom-com, every sitcom, movie, most shows, TV shows, you name it. The best sex you're ever going to have is either before you're married or if you're a believer, the first year you're married. And then every year after that, it will decrease and get worse. I mean, the stories we have heard from people are crazy. Uh, we had one couple that, mm. that came to us and the husband said, someone came to him just before he got married and they said, make a check mark every time you have sex the first year of your marriage. That's about how many times you're gonna do it the rest of your marriage. Think about that. Hmm. We've been married for 17 years. If we had done it every day the first year, you're gonna divide 365 into 17 years? I mean, we wanna be Not married for 50 or 60 years. Yeah. It's like, what are you, never doing it? Yeah. It's crazy the things people tell you. And it's not true. Here's the truth. It ought to be bad your first year because you don't know what you're doing. And it <laughs> should get better over time. You get better at it because you practice and you work at it and you talk, all those things. But culture tells us something so different. Opposite. It tells us the opposite. You know, after about a decade of marriage, you're not having sex, you're not intimate, you're not really that close. And you're like, man, this totally stinks. But I guess just that's how it is because yeah. every sitcom tells you that. You know, well, your husband. Even comedians, you know. Oh. Comedians make jokes, you know, I've been married 10 years, it's the same thing every time now, or whatever. It's just this, there's this low grade, I mean, I think sexual dysfunction in our entire culture. Mm. And we have to combat it. And we have the power with Jesus to bring healing where healing needs to happen. Totally. You know, it's, it's, it's a big fight for our marriages, but I think it's, it's a big cultural fight too. Totally, totally. This is what she says, the big cultural problem. The problem is that we have a culture-wide sense of futility when it comes to marriage. A feeling that, as you will see in the following chapters, is based on conventional wisdom that simply isn't true. I hear it everywhere, a sense of discouragement about marriage. And the evidence that seems to justify it saturates our culture. The idea that half of all marriages end in divorce, for example, is accepted as fact. For years, and with all good intentions, we've been thinking and talking about marriage as being in trouble. We comment on the unhealthy state of our unions and the skyrocketing rate of divorce. I can't count the number of times mm. I myself have referenced the 50% divorce rate from the stage in my marriage conferences. I mean, me too. I'm saying the same thing Shanti is. Many books, TV shows, radio programs, speeches, and sermons also discuss just how often mm. happiness fades in marriage. I would read on because it's so important, but one of the key points to this is a couple's futile feelings that, quote, we aren't going to make it ends up being one of the main reasons they don't make it. Hmm. It's true. I mean, I remember talking to people saying, how do you talk to young people about marriage when, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Uh, when you already think you're going to fail. Yeah. You yeah. already think you're going to fail. And it really doesn't. And then it doesn't matter what you believe. Christian, non-Christian, believer, non-believer, going to church, don't go to church. Doesn't matter. Just about a 50%. And it's not true. And we've got to shout that from the mountaintops because we need more people getting married. <laughs> I tell you what is plummeting. The marriage rate. 
when you redefine marriage to mean everything, which means nothing, when you can marry a shoe or your partner, whatever it is, when it no longer has a specific meaning, then it means nothing. You devalue marriage. You tell people that you've got a 50% divorce rate, that you're not going to have great sex. Why get married? So the marriage rate is dropping. And this is the other one, too. We talked about this. Bad news isn't motivating. Right. That's a huge one. Bad news isn't motivating. There was a study done on a, a basketball team, and they did a study showing one team only the good plays they did and one team only the mistakes they made. Hmm. The team they were showing the good things improved. The team they showed only the negative things didn't improve, and they got worse. Mm-hmm. You know, We talk about that in parenting and in marriage all the time, You know, building each other up. Telling you, telling each other how appreciative you are of them, telling them how much you love them, being kind, showing the fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the one I'm going to dive into. It's not in Shanti's book, uh, but it is a study about sex. And it's really important talking about bad news isn't motivating. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm only going to read a couple of pieces in this, but it will be interesting to you. At least I think so. People tend to have better sexual relationships when their partner believes that a person's sex life can change for the better over time, according to a new research study. Sexual satisfaction is known to be correlated with a number of important relationship outcomes, such as emotional intimacy intimacy and commitment. This is an interesting one. To measure sexual growth mindset. By the way, this just means are you adaptable to getting better or not? There's so much jargon in this thing. And I get it because it's psychology, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'm going to try to paraphrase this so you get it. Hmm. Researchers asked the participants the extent to which they agreed or disagreed with the statements, such as. Now, so either you agree or disagree with this statement. The kind of sexual partner someone is is something basic about them and can't be changed very much. And everyone is a certain kind of sexual partner and there is not much they can do to really change it. And they also were asked if they thought their partners would agree or disagree with that statement. And what they came out with is if you believe that people are the way they are and they can't change, then your sex life is not going to get better. In fact, you can correlate this with all areas of your relationship if you believe Mm. your partner is willing to change and grow and be a better person they are much more willing to be able to grow and change and be a better person you know we talk about this all the time you know in the kindness challenge by the way another shanti feldham book the kinder you are to a person shows them you believe in them and you care about them and it gives them the freedom to make the changes to have a better relationship. Mm, yeah. Well, I, I know I've been a little quiet just listening to some, some of the stuff, but I think the thing that I keep coming to is like people need to, um, or not need to, whatever, it's up to you how you want to live your life, but to have that sexual integrity and that, that joy and that peace that maybe you think God has given you, and I think you need to go get some healing too. Yeah, definitely. Right? Like it's this is not like about, I don't know. I don't know how to say it, just performance or whatever, but there yeah. might be some healing or um, usually they say your your sexual wounding uh, can lead to your healing. Totally. Yeah, I, I'm not going to get into details, but yeah. I went to a ton of therapy because I had hangups about sex. Here's the truth. I was so wounded from past experiences. I remember on our honeymoon, Laura told me she thought I'd look sexy and I thought she was making fun of me and it hurt my feelings. 
and the look on my face changed and the look on your face changed. And I remember the look on your face was like, what did I do? And it dawned on me, oh my goodness, you're serious? You think I'm attractive? Oh my goodness. I think I almost cried. Probably. Like, I mean, it was, those, I those are the movements. Like that's the, honestly, but, that's the thing of tra the transformative power of Jesus. Yes. Is he allowed my heart to soften and to experience the freedom of accepting the love the of love, Laura. Right. That makes me feel better. It makes me better about everything. It allows me to show love more. When she goes, man, you look so great today. I'm like, ooh, really? Oh my goodness. But when she first started doing that, I remember th I thinking she, I thought she was making fun of me. I remember thinking, oh my goodness, that's so mean. Why would you say that? Like we're on our honeymoon and I just felt so wounded. And then the immediate look on your face was like, what did I do? And it was like, oh no, I, I have misread this situation. And it took a ton of therapy. Mm -hmm. And I, honestly, here's the truth. I have learned to be vulnerable. It was so embarrassing. So embarrassing as a well, guy. And, well, and I just want everybody out there, like everybody has sexual hangups or sexual issues at some point in their life, no sure. matter what. Yeah. In our culture, it's just, it's just the way it is. So let's just level the playing field first before we, you know, go at each other and just have that grace, you know? So Totally. But all I'm saying f for anybody out there is it was, I'm just letting you know as a guy and as a man who, uh, culturally let's dive into that is expected to be like, I want it all the time. I don't want it 24 hours a day. And I'm constantly like all these things that I didn't feel. I was afraid of it. I was afraid of being intimate. I was afraid of being vulnerable. Sex is a super, super vulnerable thing. Asking for sex, Shanti says in, in, in her books, a guy asking for sex is the most vulnerable thing he can do to his wife. Not do to, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. You guys get it. Yeah. I'm just saying I went to a ton of therapy. It was embarrassing and 100% worth it. We've got a great sex life. Like that was a funny one too. We had friends tell us that we had a great sex life. And I was like, what? Like, oh man, you have a way better sex life than everybody we know. And I was like, why do you know yeah. that? And they're like, because you talk about it a lot. I'm like we do like yeah you guys do it a lot like oh we do that's cool but, but uh, and frequency doesn't mean it's great sex either i just no, 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 i feel like sure. i'm the yeah. the devil's advocate on no, everything you're saying yes. too you know because there's a whole level of intimacy and emotional connection yeah. and your sexual imprint from your childhood there's so much to learn and grow with totally. each other and that's and the hope seasons. we want to bring that's the other thing we talk about too there's seasons it ebbs and it's not like we've been you know crazy our entire marriage you know after having kids and when you go through crises and when episiotomies I had, and <laughs> i had my head injury and you had cancer there's all times all kinds of seasons where we don't when i started antidepressants i had tons of sexual dysfunction with that that was a huge issue uh, by the way if you want us to talk about that we can too i know so many people are on antidepressants and it messes with your sex life totally okay talking about that too um i will say I want to go back to this. Laura openly and actively and vocally, that's the one I wanted to get out, vocally believes in me. She tells me she believes in me. She tells me that she's proud of me. When I go to therapy and I come home and it's been rough, she tells me that she's proud of me. And she lets me know with her actions, not just words, but it's actions. It's the way she says it. It's the look on her face. It's the tone of her body it's the feeling of it she lets me know i believe 
you're working hard. I see the change in you. She's constantly complimenting me on that. She's not beating me up for falling into past habits. You know, in fact, we could talk about this too. When I first got back from that super intensive therapy thing, you had a hard time treating me like new Ryan. Yeah. Because you were so used to me exploding and blowing up and raising my voice and getting angry and driving off mad and storming out and all those types of things. Yeah. It was a big struggle. I had to unlearn a lot of things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and that's okay. You know, totally. you find yourself, you know, he has a, he, transformation is disruptive. Thank you. And that's okay. Yeah. So when he came home transformed and, you know, just some new uh, avenues and new resources for him and his life, mm -hmm. it disrupted our life. And so it took us a while to get on board. You know, there was unforgiveness, bitterness, you know, all the all the fun things that you have. Just oh, kidding. Yeah. But all those things. And then the res restoration and the totally. healing. And, and I had a ton of coming, stuff to apologize for. Coming back to together. And actually you know, working out forgiveness, you know, it's a mm -hmm. process. It's not a done deal thing. And so it's like, that was a, that, that was a great thing about transformation. Totally. For us. Absolutely. It certainly was. Okay. Let's dive right back into the book. Here's the good news. This is the, this book is so cool. Cause it's got like bullet points. I, I don't know if you're like me, but I really like summaries and bullet points and things I can go back and review. And it's got all that at the end of each chapter. Um, she says the good news. By the end of this book, I hope you'll agree that despite some real concerns, there is also a great deal more good news out there than many of us have believed before. And that knowing it changes everything. That reminds you of Dr. Jeff's podcast. Yeah. How worldview changes everything. Yeah. It's true. The truth changes everything. In the chapters that follow, I will confront five demoralizing myths about marriage and show you these five good news truths instead. One. The actual divorce rate has never been close to 50%. Mm. It's significantly lower and has been declining over the last 30 years. <laughs> it's been going down. That's great news. Most marriages aren't just so-so. The vast majority are happy. happy. That's awesome. That's good news. The rate of divorce in the church is not the same as among the non-church-going population. It, too, is significantly lower. What? <laughs> Praise the Lord for this one. Remarriages aren't doomed. <laughs> a significant majority survive and thrive. For those that don't know, I was married before. I went through a horrible, nasty divorce. I have the scars to prove it, but I've lived through it, and that is a great one for me. Five, most marriage problems aren't caused by big-ticket issues. Mm. So being in a marriage or fixing a troubled one doesn't have to be as complicated as people think. Little things can often make a big difference. That's been mm. so true in our marriage. Yeah, and I think I love saying the little things because it chunks it down, mm -hmm. and you can actually achieve a little thing. That's like, right. I can put a smile on my face when my husband walks through the door from work. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. a little tiny thing that can change an evening. It, oh, totally. You know, turn your feet yeah. straight towards your man and look at him and smile. You don't even have to say anything. You might have had the worst day in the world and just waiting for him to take over the children and you want to go hide in the shower or wherever you're hide in your car, wherever it is you hide as a mom, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, but it's like, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say, but yeah, it's great. It is great. Mm. Uh, what's the last part? Da, da, da. Sorry. 
just the little things, right? Yeah. Here's the summary. Uh, <laughs> and then we've got one more thing. Much of the key divorce information, the news articles and other common references is inaccurate or interpreted incorrectly. Downplays the positive findings or in some cases, quote studies that don't exist. People believe a lot of bad news about marriage, much of which isn't true. And there is a need for a paradigm shift to reclaim the very good news as well. Because there really is good news, encouraging news, we need to seriously consider changing how we think and talk about marriage and mm. divorce, not just discussing problems, but emphasizing the very real hope. The sense that, quote, we probably won't make it is itself one reason why some marriages don't make it. The couple thinks, well, at least we have a lot of company instead of, instead of most marriages, and we can make it too. That's right. The couple thinks, at least we have a lot of company, instead of most marriages make it and we can too. But if even one spouse believes there is hope, that's a great one. If one spouse believes there's hope, the marriage has a much better chance of surviving. Many people also avoid marriage altogether, thinking why bother? Definitely don't. Although we know there is much more good news about marriage and divorce than we realized, getting to the truth is inexact and extremely complicated. By the way, that's why I appreciate Shanti. She is so dedicated and detailed. She is really trying to dig down into the truth. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. All right, lastly, I will not be posting this article because it kind of gets graphic, uh, but it says the real reason that pornography can lead to male sexual dissatisfaction. And uh, I'm gonna just boil it down to a tiny, tiny piece. What it says is if you are stuck in pornography, and with your spouse, you're trying to recreate the things that you see in pornography, you will constantly be dissatisfied and you will have a lower self-esteem. Your sex life will be unsatisfactory and you're gonna feel bad about yourself. Think about that. Pornography is so devastating and so damaging to marriages. You're trying to get someone to perform something they shouldn't ever try or need to. You're constantly being unsatisfied and you feel worse about yourself. Get rid of the porn and have a great, great marriage. We believe you can have a great marriage. We changed ours. It's amazing. We love it. And we believe you can too. Yes. Thanks for joining us. Again, thanks to our sponsors, Covenant Eyes. Get rid of that porn. We talked about it. CovenantEyes.com. Code word rebel for a whole free month off your subscription. And thank you to all of our monthly donors and, spon and sponsors. We appreciate you. Thanks for donating. Join our rebel army at rebelparenting.org. Click on the donate tab. Thanks for joining us. Every Tuesday, we do marriage and parenting. Every Thursday, it's culture and current events. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Thanks again.